welcome to Second Wind, where we give you the courage to dream big. We inspire you to play full out, and we help you, hopefully, to get your second wind for your next adventure. I'm Joyce Buford, and I am your host today of this fun, fun show that we're going to experience today. Now, I know we sometimes wonder about money and how that all affects our life. Well, let me tell you, my guest today is going to clear that for us. He has always wanted a healthy relationship with money, and he is teaching that to us today. And I'm excited that he's here. Now, get this. He's a certified CPA, and he is a core energetic practitioner. He's an inspirational speaker and author and CFO. Oh, I love this part. CFO of the world famous comedy store in Los Angeles. Now, is that not fun? I can't wait to hear his story today. But he's going to bring with us, share with us today the importance of the emotion that we have around money and our relationship with money. So I welcome my guest, Bob Wheeler. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Joyce. So great to be here. Excited to have this conversation. Well, I, I am just, when I read your bio, I was like, really? You know, I have an assumption that CFOs are just squared away totally, totally, totally with their, with their finances, their understanding of the numbers. And I know you are. But you have such an interesting story of how you you sort of turned and became very passionate about another part that most of us experience with our money. So would you share that with us? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting that you said that, um, that, you know, it's assumed that I'm all squared away. It's interesting because I work with very successful people. I work with lawyers, financial advisors, other CPAs, doctors. All of these people, brilliant people, yeah, they struggle with money. I mean, I see some of these numbers and think, I wouldn't go into business with this person, or <laughs> I wouldn't lend them a dollar, right? And it's it's so it 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 doesn't have anything to do with our skill set or or our position in life. It, it's it's the belief system that we grew up with or what right. we took on. And, and right. once I realized that, I, I, I was like, oh, we're all just human beings. We're not, <laughs> we're all learning this. <laughs> right, right. Well, it, you know, you've, I'm, I'm fascinated with how you have combined so many things in your life here. You've got fun, you've got laughter, you've got CPA. And, and, and here you've got this really good um, side job going on, or is it your primary job? I don't know. But of, of trying to help other people become healthier. And I, I'm, I don't know if you how many hours you have in your day, but I only have 24. How many is in yours? <laughs> well, I, 25. I get an extra hour. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I wake up, I wake up uh, between 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, uh, I try and get a lot of stuff done before 8 o'clock because I don't want to get distracted. So I'm up and up and about. Yeah. So you wrote a book mm -hmm. 
and it's called Money Nerve. Mm -hmm. So tell us about why you felt so compassionate, so um, called to write this book. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened was I got my CPA license. I'm ta-da, I'm a success. And I was aware, I wasn't sharing this with anybody, but that I was still struggling financially. I was just not making good decisions, even though I could tell other people, here's what you do and here's how to do it and executed it beautifully. Um, So I knew better. I just wasn't doing better. And at the same time, I was doing comedy. I had become the CFO at the comedy store, or I guess that took a couple of years, but (laughs) I was working at the comedy store and a lot of my friends are comics. A lot of my friends are artists uh, because I like to have fun. And so too many CPA buddies is a little boring. (laughs) We can only do we can only calculate so many numbers. Yeah. And so what happened was I was observing that my friends were struggling and had money beliefs, the starving artist syndrome, or, um, and then some of my regular clients were doing things that were completely in opposition of what seemed like sound practical advice. Right. And so I was like, wow, I'm struggling. My, my creative friends seem to have these different beliefs and my own clients they say they mm-hmm. want to do something. I give them the information. They go out and do something different. And so right. I, and one day, one of my friends at, at the comedy store was coming out and, and I saw her and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And she's like, she was in tears. Mm-hmm. She had just been with her family. Everybody's doctors, everybody's successful. And they were shaming her because she chose to be an artist and you're never going to make it. And she's made it. But at the time <laughs> she hadn't made it. And she was like, I'm all alone. I'm so stupid. I'm the only person. And I was like, you're not, you're not. And I thought I have to, I've got to start these conversations about money to let people know you're not alone. You're not the only one that didn't get the financial download and there's still hope. Right. Yeah. So you wrote the book, but before that you, you connected yourself to something called core energy and you do workshops with that uh-huh yeah so core energetics and radical aliveness oh, are the sorry two. that's it no no that's okay both both they they yeah. are together um it's about the belief that we hold a lot of our trauma and our and our emotions in our body mm-hmm. um you know much like when a dog shakes it off when they're in fear we hold things and right. the way i know that is if I think about times where financially I was overdrawn or I had to make a financial decision or I got turned down for a loan and I feel that pit in my stomach, people get ulcers, people have mm-hmm. heart attacks, people mm-hmm. get headaches, or when you get a bonus you weren't expecting or you win the lottery, you're like, ah, and you're, you, you have this euphoric feeling and ah, it's connected. It's not all up here. It's in our body. Right. And so core energetics really helped me to learn how to bring out my own um, emotions to be able to speak to what was going on, even if everybody else was like, you shouldn't say that. Don't tell people that you're vulnerable, you know. <laughs> um, and, and I found that I, I was connecting more with people when I was willing to share my story, willing to mm. share where I made mistakes. And then yeah. I'm in this position, not because I did better, but because I made lots of bad mistakes. And so I can actually give guidance because I've been there. Right. Well, it's really hard, I find, for people that don't have money problems to understand why somebody would have challenges in their money. 
Um, you know, it, I know in my own marriage, there were some things like that. My husband was very good. He could understand that really well. I was challenged. And so, and it caused a, a probably a little frustration, a little stress in the marriage. So how, how do you get, how do those two attract each other? <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. I have a feeling that if we were to talk to your husband, he would actually admit that there might be some things that he struggled about. He just never told you. Uh, um, right. Yeah. Uh, especially men. You know, when I do workshops and I'll separate the men from the women just as an experiment and I'll put all the men in a group and have them talk about money and I'll have the mm -hmm. women. The women are like, oh, my God. And here's what happened with me and this. The men are like, how much do you make? What's your position? <laughs> right. So even in the workshop around money, they're posturing a little bit initially. Yes. Right. So we right. have, you know, men, I, and I, this is generalization, but a lot of men have this uh, belief that they have to be the breadwinner. They've got to be the power. Uh, and so there's a pressure on them. Right. So they've got to present in a certain way. So even yeah. if they're terrified, they're going to be like, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see in the generations that we're living, the younger generations, that they are more open about sharing? I know in my, I'm, t I'm using myself here as an example, because I think a lot of my listeners out there will identify with the woman over 50 and the man she marries and their beliefs about how they run their household. Yeah. So, you know, it's all of, as you just said, it's my responsibility. And I think it works better if it's a team effort. Absolutely. And I definitely think that's shifting. But that reminds me, I was doing a workshop and uh, it was a 10 week workshop and we were working on budgets. And I said mm -hmm. to everybody, I want you to go home, work on a budget. What do you think you spend on stuff? And then I want you to ask your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids, whoever you're living with, ask them for some feedback. Yeah. The next week, the guy, this guy comes back. He's in his mid-50s. He's like raising his hand. He's got to talk. He's got to talk. And I was like, what's up? What's up? He said, I did what you said. I went back and I asked my wife. And do you know what she said to me? She said, thank you for finally letting me into the marriage. <laughs> and he was yeah. in tears because he had put his assumptions of his first wife on his second wife. And she yeah. was very traditional and was patiently waiting to be included. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, there was a, not a dry eye in the room because he had this, he was like, I'm not doing that again. I'm connecting with my <laughs> wife. Um, I'm starting fresh. And yeah. I think when people get into partnership, it's so much better. I've done workshops with couples and I'll say, you know, I'll notice like this one couple, one person would step up and they would fight the battles and the other one would rest. And then the other one would step up and fight the battles. The other, I said, what if you do it together? What? Oh. Like, what yeah. if we, what if you fight the dragons together right? <gasps> as a team, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're learning, we're learning, we're learning, we're learning. Well, I grew up in probably a household that had secrets around money. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would think that's probably pretty common. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So. Well, we all have secrets, right? We're all trying to keep our secrets secrets. Uh, uh -huh. And that keeps us uh, so we're not vulnerable. So people can't use it against us, right? Right. Um, especially around money. 
There's right. so much shame. We don't run around telling everybody, hey, I just filed bankruptcy last week and you can't believe my credit card debt. It's only a hundred thousand, um, but we're spending to the hilt, right? We don't share that. I mean, I've had clients tell me that their parents, they were wealthy, their parents lost everything and all they had was their house. And they had to pretend for a couple of years to get through high school that they still had money. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. it's this game. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's a crazy game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So how do you address, I know you do the seminars and how many of those do you do a year? Well, usually I do um, two to four weekend workshops. And then prior to COVID, I was doing two 10 week workshops um, that were just like two or three, 10 weeks for two or three hours a night, once Ah, a week. Yeah. Uh, so I have different ways that I do it. I have an online course that helps people go through it on their own. That's a 12 week work, uh, course. Right. Um, so I try to do them a lot now that COVID is over. Um, mm-hmm. Now that it never existed, I guess. Um, I'm <laughs> looking no, for- I definitely think it was here. I do. It's here. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm looking forward to do more of the workshops because I do think it gives people a chance to experience it. Yeah. And then they go, oh, oh, yeah. 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 I would see the workshops would uh, certainly allow them to realize as they look around the room, oh, there are other, there's someone else that's, that's dealing with this. And then it's the, it's been, it's just, do they take it in? I know as a instructor, successful instructor, you're probably going to pull them out and start saying, okay, let's share a little. And that, yeah, right. So that's really healthy, actually. It is. And you know what I find is once people start sharing, and of course uh-huh. I start small. I used to just address a big group and go, everybody share. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> like, are you kidding? Uh, so I learned to do it in baby steps, right? Groups yeah. of two, groups of three, so that you had allies when it got yeah. to the bigger group. So I learned how to build trust among each of the participants. But what happens is once people find out they're not the only one, and that is the biggest thing at the end of the workshop, I'm not the only one. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm not the only one. I feel so much better. Um, That is probably the biggest takeaway um, for people is they're not the only one that have the shame Mm -hmm. and that they have this belief that they're not capable. And, um, but once people start sharing and I, 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 you know, I work it in slowly and that's why I love humor. And I use a little <laughs> bit of uh, bait and switch. Uh, uh-huh. So, Hey, we're going down this path. Oh, trick. We're going over here <laughs> to really get people to start to say, Oh, wow. This is, this is deeply embedded. <laughs> yeah. And do you use your humor in the workshop? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Is that a part of your success? It is. I've used it. I use it with my clients. You know, mm-hmm. I love to tell stories and I'll tell a story and the client will say, that's me. Oh, 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 I didn't realize that. I was just telling the story and it, oh, okay. You know, I, I, because I don't, I want to disarm people, yeah. right? I'm not there to judge people. I'm right. not there to make them wrong. What I want to yeah. do is create a space that feels safe enough for people to explore their fears, their shame all of the above. And I really want to welcome in everything and not make them bad. And so I, I really want to hold that space when I work with people. And humor is a great way to let people know I'm with you. Yeah, right. 
So you're a writer and a speaker. Well, I bet you're happy COVID's over. So you can start <laughs> speaking again. <laughs> I am very happy that COVID is over. It puts a damper on a lot of things. Uh, it did. It did. It did. Mm -hmm. But but we I survived. So I'm happy and you survived. And um, so and I learned a lot from it. Um, however, I am excited to get back out and start talking, doing workshops and really uh, connecting with people. Because for me, um, you know, I think each of us, uh, this is my belief, but I think each mm -hmm. of us wants to have an impact on the world. I think mm -hmm. each of us deep down want to be the best versions of ourselves. Yeah. And, and we want to make a difference. And I think all of us are starved for community. Uh, mm -hmm. And we want connection. And mm -hmm. I see it when I travel to, to developing countries, how connected and how much community there is. And I think we want it here, but we don't know how to get back to it. And so right. I... For me, this is a mission of helping people reconnect with themselves and mm -hmm. and and having the life that they envisioned or that they, yeah. they know that they wanted, they just don't know how to get there. And hopefully when, I can give them tools. Right. Now you said something, you travel internationally for this. So you're training people all over the world with the same issue? <laughs> is that it? Well, you know, interestingly enough, it doesn't matter the dinero. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter the currency. Yeah. Uh, People struggle. You know, it was interesting when I was in Canada doing workshops. Uh, I do this exercise with the with with dollar bills, and I use uh -huh. Chinese currency, and I use Canadian currency and American currency. And what was interesting for the Canadians, most of them didn't give as much value to the American dollar as they did to their own. Yeah, and right. um, the American folks didn't give much value to the Chinese currency. It's yes. not familiar. I don't know what that is. Yes, yes. But I know what a $100 bill is. And <laughs> so it's interesting in the different cultures um, how that plays out. Yeah. I wonder how those new currencies they're creating are going to play out. Oh, those hmm. cryptos? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All <laughs> I don't even know the name. So I'm kind of yeah. like out of that game. <laughs> There's too many of them. Too many. <laughs> oh, so weird. So weird. Okay. So. Um, one of the things I was curious about, particularly when we first talked, yeah. was just how people, I want to kind of switch over to the comedy side here, because I'm fascinated by that whole area. I, I don't, in Tyler, Texas, we don't have a comedy place, you know, comedy <laughs> is walking on the street here, but, um, how does one get into the comedy world? Do you just think you're funny and so you walk up on stage? Is that it? Sometimes. And there's lots of people that think they're funny that aren't. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a, for me, people would always say, oh, you're funny. You're funny. And I was a little guy. And so humor was the way uh, that kept me from getting into fights or getting into confrontations because I could crack a joke and then run really fast. <laughs> yes. Because uh, I was fast so runner. This, so this started in uh, grade three? Yeah, probably probably when I was five. Uh, yes. You know, I think, yeah, I think, um, and comics, whether they're performing or not, comics tend to view the world slightly different. Like for most comics, I think, and I know it's true for me, is I partly live in the world and I partly observe the world. So I'm not fully in it. 
you know, I've got one yeah. foot in and one foot out. And so that's how comics, I think, observe stuff is because we're there, but we're also, oh, interesting. We're, we're yeah. outside of it too. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and so we can then observe and, and make note. Uh, but for me, I started doing comedy. I started doing sketch comedy, which is sort of like what's on Saturday Night Live. And uh, you have to have other people. And so, you know, you're doing scenes. You need four people to show up or you can't oh, do the scene. Okay. And at a, at a certain point, I thought, I don't want to, I liked that in the beginning because then if it failed, I could say, what well, was the other people? Yes. <laughs> and then if it was a success, I was like, it was me. <laughs> Security and numbers. Security and numbers. <laughs> and stand up is, you stand up all alone. And so you don't need other people to be there other than an audience, hopefully. Right. And, and I started to really enjoy that. And even though I wasn't comfortable in the rest of my life speaking, I felt very safe on a stage with a microphone and I could say, I could express anger. I could express frustration and then go kidding, kidding. So oh. that in the places where I didn't feel comfortable in my real life to draw a boundary or express, I was able to do that on stage. Oh. We're all just I doing therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I noticed particularly in the late night shows for those guys that didn't have an audience sitting in their in their studios. Yeah. I noticed some adapted easier than others. And and I really put them all on the same ladder yeah. uh, going into it. But when I saw them interacting, some were really struggling not to have that feedback. You it's know, the really feedback. hard. You need the yeah. feedback. It's hard. I've had to do comedy sets to a to a to a camera. Wow! <laughs> and you're like, "Hey, camera!" <laughs> Just staring at you. Um, yeah, it does is it, hard. Does it knock off your timing? I mean, timing is very important, isn't it? In comedy, it does. It does because uh, when you've got a room of 500 people and you're not sure if the joke's going to hit, but it hits. You know yeah. instantly because the entire room is on fire and you're like, yeah, I'm right on. I'm right on target. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Com laughter is such a way of improving somebody. I mean, it's like, oh, they like me. You yeah. Know, I, oh, I like this. This yeah. is a great audience because yeah. they're responding. Absolutely. And you can't make it the responsibility of the audience to love you because yeah. You can smell the desperation of some comics that are like, like me, like me, like me, like me. And you're, oh my God, I came out to have a good time. I paid a babysitter. I'm having a drink. Don't make me have to take care of you, comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sometimes, I like to watch comedy on YouTube. I think uh -huh. it's fun. Yeah. And um, just seeing all the different kinds, all the different topics they carry on about. Oh yeah. Some I'm going, this is so weird. <laughs> enough, <laughs> enough. I'm living it. Don't give it to me here. No, but it, yeah. What do you do when the when a joke just falls flat? And that has happened to everybody. Oh, it does. Well, you know, the first thing when I was first doing comedy um, and I'd go to open mics in different places, I always took a friend. So that way, if I bombed, my friend <laughs> would say, I still like you. <laughs> You're still a good person because I, I, I just didn't want to walk off stage and have nobody. Um, right. But Look, when it bombs, sometimes it's a good thing. Like I told a couple of jokes and had such a strong reaction. Like, we hate you. I'm like, cool. Ooh. I got, I got a reaction. So I know that the topic is hot. Yes. I just now have to find the funny in it. Right. Oh, so if I take that negative, 
Yeah. So if I take the negative feedback as, oh, I got a strong reaction. Let me adjust. Let me adjust. So it might take yeah. me a few weeks to get the joke. Um, right. But I go in knowing this is probably not going to work. Other times you do some stuff and uh, it's painful. Um, I did a show early on. I was uh, people initially thought I was funny. So that was nice. Um, so I hadn't <laughs> had a lot of failure my first couple of years. And I was in this competition and my comedy was very, very clean, very Disney. Cause I, people are like, you can't talk dirty. You don't look like you can be mean. You must do this. And <laughs> I was the last comic and we were told to keep it clean, but everybody in front of me was filthy, dirty. Oh. And then I come up with my Disney stuff, right? They hated me. Oh hated no. Me. And I had never been on a stage where I couldn't see the audience and it was pitch black. So oh. all I see is little sparkly lights, no audience, no <laughs> laughter. Oh, no. It was the longest set of my life. And it took me like six months to be able to even tell a joke and be funny. Um, it was very painful. The next six months I would get up and people would go, yeah, you're not funny. Oh, no. <laughs> and was that because of your attitude? Something shifted. And that... it, yeah, I lost. Ah. I, I think what happened was I had been so fortunate that I hadn't had a lot of pushback. That the first time it happened, I was like, well, this is not fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it was very scary. And I, but I just kept getting up anyway, because you just have to get up. And, yeah. uh, you know, I like that. audience. <laughs> That's a good message there. You just have to keep showing up. You keep yeah. showing up. And eventually you find your comfort, comfort level and you find your rhythm. And my friend kept dragging me out and we uh, went to a, tea, a coffee house. And there was only about mm -hmm. 15 people. Mm -hmm. I started telling jokes and people mm -hmm. were coming up saying, oh my God, you're the funny, like I could have recited the alphabet and people were like, that's brilliant. <laughs> like C, <laughs> D. <laughs> um, and then I, and then I got it back. And yeah. so it, it's. How, how often do you do comedy? Are you performing? So right now, uh, not at all because well, COVID just, you know, got over with. Um, I'm starting to, you know, uh, once a week is is probably right now all I can muster because I've got the comedy store. I've got my accounting practice. I am writing, um, working on a couple of TV projects and, um, and then I do seminars and stuff. So once a week just to have fun, but I, and, and it is tax season. <laughs> and, oh, and there's that. I wanted too. to bring that up. Oh yeah. So. Thank you. And I'm working six days a week. Yes. <laughs> I just, Thought I'd add that in. But I have an extra hour every day because I get 25. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. In the order of I won't say which is more fun, that would be me. But in the order of what priority you're working on regularly or in your day, what is your order of attention? for all of these many different yeah. things, hats that you wear? Well, I would say um, that the underlying theme of all of them is being under, in service. Mm -hmm. ah. and, so, uh, and so for me, the awareness of money and emotions and what people are holding sort of guides whether I'm dealing with my clients, it guides where I'm, whether I'm working with the staff at the comedy store, it guides me when I'm working with my own staff of 14 people. I'm constantly aware that people bring their stuff and they don't always tell me, um, you know, even though I say, tell me whatever's on your mind. And they're like, okay. 
why didn't you tell me? Because you're the boss, because you have the power dynamic. And so, yeah. but so in each of those things, I'm always like, how do I help people be the best version of themselves? How do I make sure that they're heard? And like, how do we make this work together as a team? Because I'll, you know, I have my agenda too. I want to have right. all my clients feel taken care of. I want to make sure the comedy store is successful. I want to make sure yeah. that people are doing their own work. So I challenge yeah. people. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually, I, I enjoy everything that I do. Uh, right. Even the accounting, I actually really love it. Yeah. You've always loved doing numbers? Well, you know, it's funny. something you develop or you just have? Well, I think both. Uh, I was really good with numbers. A friend of mine said, oh, you should take accounting in high school. You'll do well. I got straight A's. So when I went to college, <laughs> I thought, well, I'm just going to take accounting to help my grade point average. I'm not going to be an accountant. Boring. I'm going yeah. to law school. And uh, <laughs> I was just good with it's numbers. Fun. It was for fun. <laughs> you know, I jokingly say I spent many years trying to get out of accounting, right? Because yeah. it's like, people are like, yeah, but you're good at it. I'm like, I don't care if I'm good at it. I want right. to do something else. They're like, but you're good at it. Finally, I was like, I'm good at it. Like, stop. It doesn't happen. Just because something is easy to do or it's, it's, it's your forte doesn't mean you can't enjoy it and get paid for it. You know, you don't have to make everything painful. Your job mm -hmm. doesn't have to like drain every ounce of blood and sweat out of you so you can feel like you earned it. I think people really miss that. Mm -hmm. Somehow in school, we miss teaching that it's where you need to be yeah. and where you shine. Right. And that if you, if you succeed very easily in this area, go for it because that's, that's your passion. That's where you're going to come alive. You spend all your time in it. So why not enjoy what you're doing? So we don't do that. We don't do that for our students. Enough. We don't. And you know, I know for me, when I started getting paid to do stuff that was easy for me, uh -huh. I felt guilty <laughs> initially. Not yeah. anymore. I don't feel guilty anymore. You've adjusted. You've adjusted. <laughs> I've adjusted. I'm like, I'm going to charge you for that. But in the beginning, people would say, oh, my God, you just changed everything for us. And I'm like, yeah, it was, well, it was so obvious, like, for me, but, but, but uh -huh. it was nothing. So they're like, no, let me pay you. I'm like, no, no, no. It was yeah. like, then yeah. I was like, oh, I have to eat. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Um, yes. I have a story. My daughter struggled in, in, in school. And then she's in her, she's 34. And so now she's like awakened. She started after school doing, um, we have a small college here. So she was taking correspondence course. She started doing accounting. Ah. She is great at it. And so now she's, she's expanded into the real estate business. And she just comes over here and talks a different language to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> Look how good you're doing. Yeah. It's really, really, it's like a flower that is just opened up because she's having such great success with it. You know? Yeah, that's so awesome. And I think, you know, one of the things for me too, when you talk about that other language, yeah. um, one of the things that I think helped me be successful was a lot of CPAs, or I'd go to these continued education courses and they were very highbrow using very big words. I'm mm -hmm. like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hick from a small town. I don't know what that word means at all. Right. And everybody's mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, I can't believe. Thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not, I don't want to be pretentious. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, give it to me in layman's terms. And yeah. that helped me to, when I talk to my clients, I don't talk above them. They're like, well, if we depreciate, then we capitalize, then we section 179 and we do a 1031. They're like, what are you talking about? Right. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to defer the gain. We're going to save your taxes. How does that sound? Great. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As our taxes keep growing. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. I know. So you have spent 30 years, over 30 years helping because you're, you're very young. You can't have 30 years. I, I started when I was seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. With the comedy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. It's, I mean, the first 10 years was learning. You know, yeah. the first 10 years I worked for other firms and all that stuff. And uh, I think that's where I actually got my confidence because one of the CPA firms I worked for, they were giving me all the work. And uh, I thought, well, like, they're not reviewing my work and they're putting all this responsibility. on. So I double, triple checked my work because I didn't want it to be wrong. And so I got so much experience because they gave me so much freedom. Um, and that was important. But I will also tell you when I got out of college and I interviewed with the big firms, uh, I got the feedback. They said, look, we really like you. We sort of want to hire you, but we have a feeling that you won't comply very well. <laughs> and I what said, that mean? Um, I didn't like, I wouldn't stay in the box. I wouldn't wear my oh. gray suit. And I wouldn't follow all the rules. They're like, I think you like to push things and challenge. Yeah. I'm like, I do. <laughs> and they're like, we need people that just comply. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not me. Don't not going to rock work. the boat. <laughs> I will rock the boat. So a smaller firm was much better for me because I was going to rock the boat. And how long was it before you were in your own firm, developed your own firm? So it took me 10 years. And then I've had my own business for the last 20, 21 years. Right. Yeah. And then I brought um, a partner in. And so when you work with a couple or person, uh, do you help them develop their skills in organizing and in, in spending their money? So I do a couple different things. So some people it's more practical. Like I want to do a budget. Let's how do we allocate? And we go through all that. And I, okay, well, here's how much money you have. Here's what we need to accomplish. Here's the debt. Here's the savings, our targets, boom, boom, boom. And we push that out. Other people have more uh, complicated relationships with their spouse around money. And so yeah. we might actually just start talking about, hey, what's something that happened this week? Oh, well, my wife went and picked this $300 a night restaurant and I wanted to have spaghetti. Okay, wait, let's stop. Let's unpack that, right? And then we'll unpack just some basic conversations and they start realizing oh my god i've been doing i've been punishing you for a while or oh i've been sabotaging for a while or i've been living in fear for a while and so with some couples yeah we literally we talk about what comes up when we talk about saving what comes up when we talk about setting goals yeah what happens when we talk about actually getting what you want yeah um yeah and 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 the other thing with couples, even in my tax meetings, people will come in and go, all right, dinner's writing not. Tell my wife she's wrong. Tell my husband he's wrong. And I'll say, well, let me ask you this before <laughs> I answer. Are you on the same team or are you trying to beat each other? Mm. And they're like, because like, I think if you're on the same team, you might actually go further. And so maybe this isn't the best way to engage in teamwork, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you could really enrich and change lives with this yeah. very, very difficult subject. And yeah. I suppose, can you, just like anything else, can you do distance um, accounting? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I have clients in China. I've got ch clients in France. We do a lot of international. Um, really? We do. That didn't start out that way, but a lot of my clients, uh, many of them ended up getting a job in China or Hong Kong. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to learn how to deal with some international <laughs> stuff. So I've got clients all around the world right. um, in most of the 50 states. And, yeah. um, you know, and if somebody will say, well, can you do my taxes in Texas or Florida? Well, there's no state tax. So federal law is federal law, no matter where you live in right. the U.S. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we do. I, I do a lot of um, uh, remote clients. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times after people have been with me three or four years, they're like, can we skip coming in to see you? We like you, but we know we trust you. So, like, can we check you off the list? <laughs> That's one yeah. last thing we have to. So I, I build up a relationship over time with people. And yeah. uh, uh, that's what I love doing. What have you learned about the money game? Well, I think I've learned it's a game. <laughs> you know, um, oh. I think, <laughs> you know, I think one of the hardest lessons for me, um, and I still struggle, I still fight it sometimes, is I was raised to believe that I am my accomplishments. Ah. And so I, even when I would win or get the job or win the award, I could mm -hmm. never really relax. Right. Because then I had to get the next one. Oh. So I couldn't stop and go, oh, wow, that was cool. It's like, nope, somebody else is going to come get the next one. I got to keep moving. And once I was able to realize how much I was attached to that and is able to let go of that mm -hmm. and realize that I'm actually more interested in connection, I'm more interested in being with people, having impact, being in relationship. Yeah. Um, and my client relationships are relationships. Um, yeah. I view everything as relational, not transactional. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was big for me, but I still feel the peace sometimes where I've got to come in and, you know, Oh, I got to win this. And then I, Oh, okay. There's that old story, like slow down. <laughs> we don't need to win. Like we don't, it's right. We just yeah. need to show up. We just need to yeah. show up. It, it seems to me just to, oh, looking over our country over this last year and so forth, that the money has just gotten out of control. Mm -hmm. The competition is huge. Yeah. And I am in Texas. So, you know, I'm seeing lots of this. And it, sometimes I think we forget to, what the gift is just to be, you know, yeah. I mean, great. We've got money. Great. You can go to do this and this and this, but how do you measure up as a person? Yeah. You know, how do you care about your neighbor? I mean, I just, I'm worried a little bit about us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like for us to recenter, but I don't know. Well, you know? I think, I think COVID helped us a little bit with that of having to get back. I know so many people that said, oh, wow, I got to meet my kids. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I knew they were living there. I didn't really know them. Um, but I, you know. They just showed up for Christmas. They just showed up for Christmas. <laughs> but I, I think your point is so valid because you know, I've worked with CPAs and financial advisors that'll say, hey, Bob, if you do this, you could save 30 minutes of talking to clients and then you don't ever have to talk to them. And then if you do like if you invest in this, you never actually have to talk to your clients about investing. This will just do it automatically. And now I don't have to see anybody. I'm like, but I want to see everybody. 
Mm. I actually want to know if they had a baby. I want to know if they're getting married or getting divorced. I want to know uh, what's going on. I want to be engaged. I'm not looking for ways to have less time with with my clients. I'd like to be efficient, but I'm not looking for less FaceTime. I love my clients. Um, I enjoy being with people. And I, I, I think we all need to remember that how important it is to just be. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we're coming to the close of the hour, you know, and I, don't, I just hate to say goodbye to you. I don't <laughs> want to say goodbye to you, but I have to move on as you do. I know because you have only 25 hours. Today. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So tell us about your website. You have a lot that you offer on your website. Absolutely. And so just tell us some little bit about that. Uh, how yeah, so to get there. <laughs> it's uh, the moneynerve.com. And that's nerve, like a nerve, like you pinch it, not a nerd. I am a money nerd, but uh, it's the moneynerve.com. Uh, we have, I have a podcast called Money Should Ask. I talk with lots of people uh, with their money beliefs, money blocks, life challenges. We do blogs. We have tools for people to use uh, practical stuff, emotional stuff. Um, we've got the book, uh, The Money Nerve. And uh, there's an online course called Mastering the Emotions of Money, which is a 12-week course. I also have a uh, a money and vision group that meets every other Thursday that's open to anybody. And that's done a lot of people from East coast, West coast. And we have an hour and a half uh, every other week and people talk about goals, talk about struggles, and it's just open to people that want to join. It's a great way to test the waters. And mm-hmm. um, so we have, a, we have an array of services and if people have any questions, they can reach out to me through the website and I do respond and we love to help people and engage with folks. So if I'm a beginner, join your upper mm-hmm. to your website, yep. where would be the starting point? Because as you're talking about all those different things, which are wonderful opportunities, but I kind of wonder it, <clears throat> where would be my level to start if I'm a beginner or if so, I'm an intermediate? Yeah. I would go to the, um, the blogs. Yeah. Um, and I think reading some of those blogs and some of the stories yeah then you could say oh i resonate with that oh i didn't like okay there's other people that are thinking that so i think that's a great way to sort of test the waters and go yeah this touchy feely stuff i got it covered i don't need it or oh yeah there's something here um i think that's a great place to start and then the book is a great exercise for couples because there are calls to action at the end of each chapter and so a lot of times I'll, I'll work with a couple and we'll work through the book because they have yeah. tasks to do each week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I went in and did this mental mapping. Oh yeah. Three things. This is yeah. a three thing. It, there are three different things. Mental mapping is one. Mm-hmm. What's the other two? Oh my God. You caught me off. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, You've, you've got the paper. Tell, you know, that's embarrassing. Well, I should be on top of that. You can start with mental mapping. It's that is a great way to go. It, they will feed back to you and then you can move on to the next one. There are three phases in this little exercise, which I intend to complete all of them. That is there awesome. Yes. That is awesome. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so busted. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Well, you know, it, it's, I would love to listen to your, your podcast because awesome. You might get a little comedy in there. 
We do a bit of comedy and I talk with comics. I talk, I've had Joanna Cassidy, Golden Globe winner. Uh, A lot of fun people. I had the former director of uh, Goldman Sachs talk about um, his experience. And uh, we just, an array of people just sharing their stories um, from childhood. Um, It's a great way to hear that other people have the same struggles. What's that podcast again? Money You Should Ask. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Another should. (laughs) Okay, there we go. Well, I thank you very much for being on this show. It has been fun. It's passed way too quickly. And I know that for my listeners, it has been the same experience for them. And so I appreciate your wisdom. And I really encourage them to go to your website. There's a lot there. Um, you can start with the book or start with those three mapping things. But well, anyway. I so appreciate you. it. I so yes. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for being with us today. Now, as you finish this week, as you know, we'll soon be entering another week. And I like for you to reflect. Take a few moments to reflect over what Bob has shared with us today. Are you struggling with money? Perhaps this is where you can start attacking that or welcoming into your your life. There's a lot of emotional connections we have to our money. Oh my, my, my. We all have it. So this is a great day for you to recheck that and know that even today, no matter where you stand, no matter how far you think you're in trouble, today is the day you change that story. So moving forward, I really ask that you give thought to your money and that you consider making a change. So thank you for being with us today. It has made me so happy to know that you're out there listening to Second Wind because your money is now getting its second wind. Thank you for being with us.